Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Sallallahu ve sellem ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem. Nüveyne ta'lumu ve ta'limu, tezekkuru ve tezkiru, nef'a'u ve intifa'u ve ifaratu ve istifara. Hatta ala temessuki bi kitabillahi ve sunnati rasulihi sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem. Ve dua ile al-huda ve dalalatı ala al-khayr. Ebetiğâ amaldatillahi ve vajihihi ve qurbihi ve thawabihi. Sorry, that was going to bother me if I didn't fix it. I had to move it or something yesterday. So, Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Salatun tunjina biha min jami'il ahwali wal afat wa taqdilana biha jami'il hajat wa tutahiruna biha min jami'il sayyat wa tarfa'una biha indaka ala darajat wa tubalighuna biha aqsan ghayati min jami'il khayrati fil hayati wa ba'd al-mamat Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-Fatih al-ma'ughliqin khatim lima sabiq nasr al-haqim al-haqim al-hadi ila siratika al-mustaqim wa ala alihi wa sahbihi haqa qadrihi wa miqdarihi al-azim Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik alayhi wa ala alihi We started last time the burda of Imam al-Busiri radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa arda and uh, this week inshallah we continue um, we, uh, this is the second session so now we last time we covered the introduction and this time we'll get into the actual content of the poem inshallah so um, this first section can be called the section on uh uh, basically on on love and ghazal washakwan gharam gharam that this is on the 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 section on love and complaining of one's longing and you know basically the love section so we talked a little bit about that in the introduction of last time uh at the end uh so we're not going to repeat that we'll just jump right into it inshallah um The first line of the poem is Amin tadhakuri jiranin bidi salami Mazajta dam'an jara min muqlatin bidami And then afterward Amhabbatan rihu Min tilqai kazimatin Wa'awmada al-barku fi al-dhalmai Min idami So this can be translated as Is it from remembering neighbors at Dhu Salam That you said that you shed tears Admixed with blood from your eyes, or because wind has blown from the direction of Kalvima and lightning has flashed in the dark of Idom. So, uh, there's a question here. I think we began to talk about last time how essentially what he's doing here is he's pretending that there is someone other than himself. The author is pretending there's someone other than himself who he is interrogating essentially about the love that the person is going through so even though it's about the author himself right so it's about the author but the author is talking to um you know this hypothetical person who's going through this love 
and he's going to go through uh, a number of questions in this beginning part trying to understand the nature of the love that the person is going through and um, <coughs> so he asked him a question is it from remembering neighbors at the Salam that you shed tears blended with blood from your eyes that you shed tears blended with blood from your eyes and so the first thing is to say that التذكر is not dhikr التذكر is not dhikr so it's translated as is it from remembering neighbors and that's probably kind of like the best you can do in terms of translation but we and, and looking at the Arabic language we know that these are different verbal forms so the verbal form for tadhakkur involves more uh, constant action. So whereas one can be reminded of something, and it's not still super present in there, and uh, they're not necessarily actively engaged with it. But if there's tadhakkur, there has to be an active engagement. So there's an there's this. He's asking him. It's not just a question of remembering, but it's a question of being. Uh, overcome with the remembering of this reality of these neighbors at Lu Salam. You know, you're just constantly thinking about them, constantly trying to. You know, it's it's always on the person's mind. So, are, are they the Jiran bi the Salam? The Jiran, the Jiran, are the neighbors, and uh, the Salam is uh, the Jiran are the neighbors, and the Salam is. Um, is, is the place near Medina that is meant to be a reference to the Prophet So it's a reference to the Prophet and then the Jiran are the neighbors. They say in, uh, in Imam al-Bajuri, one of the things that he says is that uh, the neighbor is called the neighbor because you're, you have mujawara uh, or your jiwar of the neighbor, which means that the neighbor is the thing that you're next to. The neighbor is the thing that you're next to in the in the wording of the Arabic language, and it indicates some sort of uh, connection to them, like as if you're touching. You know, like this is the thing that this hand is bijuwar, this hand, and there's a mulasaqa between them. There's a connection between them, and uh, what that's referring to then, uh, he says, is that min lazim al jiwar al mahbubiya. And this is an important concept to think about. It says, from the necessary consequences of being close to someone in this way, is that there is some sort of love between you and them. There is some sort of love between the two. So uh, this is just, I think, interesting to think about. You know, sometimes you have office hours, you have different things, and people are like, um, they become over time maybe obsessed with certain ideas or certain concepts or certain people, whatever it might be. And basically what it comes down to is that's what you've been feeding your head. You've been thinking about that person all the time and you've been contemplating about that person all the time or that show or that whatever it might be. So the proximity to that thing results in a level of love between them. You know, so the person's like, I just can't... But I don't understand why I can't get this person out of my mind. Well, it's because you slowly but surely put that person into your mind over and over and over and over and over again. In order to pull the person out, you're probably going to have to go through some sort of detoxing. And uh, this we see over and over and again. The good side of that is that 
there is a consequence to repetition. So if I'm constantly reading things about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I'm going to increase in my love of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If I'm constantly around good company, I'm going to be closer and closer in my attachment to that good company. If I am um, reminding myself of things that are important, maybe every day I remind myself of you know, checking my intention and reminding myself that Allah is watching and so on and so forth, then those things will also begin to dig deeper and deeper into the heart. And so there's there's this idea here that when something is close to us, it becomes beloved to us. And then these are the things, these are the neighbors in Dhu Salam. They're the neighbors in Dhu Salam to Medina. Some said this is, uh, this can refer to you know, basically you're thinking about not only the beloved but the people who are around the beloved. So in the case of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's not only the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that we're mourning uh, or that we're longing for, but also the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who we long for and who we miss and who they themselves also remind us of him. And so they take us back to him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that all takes us back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Uh, and and so he says, is this you're you're constantly thinking about this? Is that the reason why you blended your tears with blood that came from your eyes? It was tears of blood that came from your eyes, um, and uh, you know, there's a number of things here. One of them is that they talk about cool tears and wet and and warm tears. In, the, in a lot of the Muslim books they'll talk about cool tears and warm te- tears and cool tears are tears of happiness and warm tears are tears of of sadness warm tears are tears of sadness and the warm tears that are th- the tears of sadness then are the ones that increase the, the if they come so much then eventually blood will join with them and this is something that's mentioned in a lot of the poetry uh, this also is your key to understanding one of the songs of Brother Ali. May Allah preserve him. Uh, I think, yeah, the song is called All the Beauty in This Whole Life. So it's the one that the album is named after. Not his most recent album, the album before that, All the Beauty in This Whole Life. The last song on the album is called All the Beauty in This Whole Life. And um, for the Muslim listener who is astute, one can realize that he's talking about the Prophet ﷺ in that song. For the non-Muslim listener, they might think that he's talking about his beloved or something like that, right? Um, very similar. And one of the things that he says in the chorus of the song is he mentions this idea that cool tears cover his sight and that's the only time that he sees right. And he and in the course of the song, he talks about this idea that he, as someone who is legally blind, as an albino who is legally blind, he does not normally see well, um, very clear at all. But he says that the only time, actually, that he sees perfectly fine is if he cries tears of happiness, cool tears, cool tears in particular, when he cries them, the moment that they sit on his eye and he looks out, he can see clearly. SubhanAllah. So the song is about how when he thinks about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he cries cool tears 
of joy. And in those cool tears of joy is the only time that he can see 2020. He can see the world around him like the average person would probably see the world. It's a very beautiful song. You can find it. All the beauty in this whole life. Uh, so there's two types of tears is the point. Warm ones and cool ones. That's one thing. Another thing here is that uh, this is, you know, the the what's being hinted at here with Dusalam and then in the next line, Kalima and then uh, Idlam. These are all places. Dusalam, Kalima and Idlam are all places, or in some opinions, other things. But generally, the idea here is that these are things that trigger memories of the beloved. They trigger memories of the beloved, and that can be good. That can be bad if a person is mourning. But in the case of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, let's say that they're happy. Uh, we're happy. I mean, we long for him, but the remembrance of him brings joy to the heart. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, um, the question then to think about is, we as uh, people, you know, there's a lot of conversation now around trauma and triggers that, um, that might um, that might you know bring to the forefront people's experience with their trauma. But one of the things that I want us to think about is that as bad things can trigger bad memories and and reliving of bad memories, uh, good, we can also put into our hearts good triggers, so that when we experience them, we remember good things. And again, that's part of like this repetition that can be useful and starting trying to associate good memories with particular things that are, are uh, that can repeat themselves. So we might have different triggers for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Maybe when we see the color green or maybe when uh, and this is part of like learning about the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is that more things become a trigger for remembering him in a good way. Right, so it rains, and we remember that he used to let the rain drop on his body, or we walk barefoot in the grass or the dirt, and we know that he used to do that. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, or the way that we sit, or the way that we speak, or the way that we make du'a, or whatever it might be, uh, we can plant these good things as well. We can also think for ourselves: what are the things that take us into kind of like that? Obviously, Medina is very powerful. People have been to Medina. There's things about Medina that maybe are settle in the heart and settle in the soul that become then uh, signs that lead us back to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the different things that we go through in our daily lives. Uh, so we can kind of contemplate this and sometimes we can make those for ourselves. Like maybe there's a corner of our house that we always pray in. So now we're associating a certain experience with that corner of the house. Or there's something that we always use when we cook for guests or a certain type of drink or a certain type of tea or whatever it might be. And we can, you know, do that in different ways. Maybe when someone that we respect, we offer them a particular mug. So then whenever we see that mug after that, we remember that person, we make to offer them. These kind of things, these, these symbols are important. So to think about the symbols around us in our lives that we can try to use to remember good things, or we can uh, 
re reestablish I mean uh, generate good memories around them so you're blending is is this why you're you're crying so much that you're blending blood with your tears is it because of remembering the neighbors at Lusalem or is it because of the wind that blows from the direction of Kalima the wind that blows from the direction of Kalima they said that Majnun Layla uh, you know this k- famous character in Arabic poetry is the, the famous story of Layla and Majnun Qais who's Majnun Layla is he's named there's Layla and then there's the person who's crazy over Layla like he's literally lost his mind out of his longing and love for Layla and so this like story repeats itself through Arabic poetry they say that when the wind would blow from uh, that that uh, he would call it the wind of Layla like that's the wind that came from the direction of Layla. So even thinking about like, okay, when the wind blows and it comes from this direction, is it coming from the? Are you crying because the wind came towards you from the direction of Medina, or from Mecca, or from wherever it might be? And this is the the image that is being conjured here. Or is it from the lightning that strikes in the darkness from the direction of Edom, which is close also to Medina? So the lightning flashes. And they said that also uh, one thing about Majnun Layla is that sometimes they would find him, he's just staring at the moon. And they ask him, why are you staring at the moon? And he say, because if I'm staring at the moon, then maybe wherever Layla is tonight, if she stares at the moon at the exact moment that I stare at the moon, then our eyes will land on the same place. <laughs> so so this is like, you know, the the... is the lightning that flashes so the lightning that flashes is similar when the lightning flashes it's a moment where you can see if there's no electricity right there's no electricity everything's dark the lightning flashes it's a moment where you can see and it used to be like well maybe the lovers their eyes will lock or something like that they'll be able to see each other so are all these things the reasons why you're crying or is there something else it's essentially what's being warmed up here is is this the reason what it is and um I was listening to uh, a, a a lecture on this by Sheikh Fathi Hijazi, Hafidhullah, who's uh, you know one of the scholars in Egypt, um, and he he mentioned in this context the story of Sayyidina Bilal radiAllahu an, that in the case of Sayyidina Bilal, who was the muaddin of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the uh, person who called the adhan for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. After the death of the Prophet وسلم, Sayyidina Bilal asked to not live in Medina. So he asked Sayyidina Abu Bakr, he told him he wants to move, he, he can't live in Medina anymore. He used to call the Adhan for the Prophet وسلم, and he used to live with the Prophet and he used to be near him. And now he's not there anymore and he can't stand to live in Medina. But there's too many triggers, really. There's too many triggers and he's just gonna, he can't handle it. And so, you know, they had a conversation about it. He asked him where he wants to go. He decides he wants to go to Jerusalem. So he already he already lived in Mecca. Then he wanted he lived in Medina. Now he wants to go to the third of the of the major cities, right? So he wanted to go to Jerusalem. And um, you know, he couldn't stand to 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 be in Medina without the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam being there. And one time he did come back to visit, and they asked him to make adhan, you know, make the adhan 
like he used to make the adhan in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he's like, you know, he tried but he couldn't do it. Uh, he couldn't complete it when he gets to the, the name of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So this is love. This is this is a love. The companions had a deep love for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he told us that there's no. Um, there's no tragedy that befalls the ummah of the Prophet that equals the death of the Prophet himself. So this longing for the Prophet is important. The next line he says, in hamata wa qalbika in yahimi. yahimi. That if you what what is wrong with your eyes that when you tell them to stop they continue to weep more. And what ails your heart that when you bid it awake, it wanders further into distraction? So here's what's happening. Now it's a further description of the state of the person who's bewildered with their beloved. So what is what is with your eyes that when you tell them to stop, they don't stop? And what is with your heart when you tell it to pay attention and wake up, it doesn't wake up? And... I think one of the things to consider in this regard is that the human being is, you know, we're not robots and we're not meant to be robots. We're meant to be people who feel and we're meant to be people who experience things. Uh, one of the challenges of being hurt is that one of the responses to being hurt is to dull one's feelings. And when we dull our feelings uh, in order to protect ourselves from being hurt, we also insulate ourselves from other things, good things, right? So it's harder to love deeply. It's harder to care deeply. It's harder to feel the positive things in the heart that we would like to feel when we deaden the heart from not feeling the negative things that we don't want to feel. But uh, in any case, we still are very emotionally driven very emotionally driven and it's not always the case that we can consciously decide something and still follow through on it you know like maybe we consciously decide that i'm not going to do xyz and then like the m&ms just look so good and you eat the m&ms or i'm not going to stay up late anymore but you know, the production on Netflix is just so good that it draws you into your next binge-watching session or whatever it might be, right? There's so many different possibilities for this. But sometimes the emotions are stronger than our will. All right, sometimes the emotions are stronger than our will. So he's saying, what's with your eyes? They won't stop, even though you tell them to stop and stop crying. And what's with your heart that it doesn't, come back to reality when you're telling it to come back to reality and part of that again is that the emotions are stronger than our will at times and this is what sometimes makes transformation so difficult is that it's not just an issue of you know I have to think about this thing properly thinking about something properly is one challenge but actually doing something about it is another challenge and um you know, this is why also we should be patient with ourselves when we are working through some of our inner difficulties 
or our inner diseases. Some of our inner diseases, we have to be patient a little bit with how that goes. Um, uh, it, it's not, you know, I can know something's wrong and still make a mistake in it. Uh, I have to develop and mature myself internally, spiritually, and emotionally in order to be able to do better with it. And it's not necessarily going to happen overnight. It's not necessarily going to happen over the course of months. It might take years to fix. And this is why they say that, you know, like when you have a certain um, regiment of dhikr that you make, it's really important to do that consistently because it is doing something to you. Consistently over time, it's building the heart that the heart becomes stronger and stronger and stronger such that it can take things on. And um, whatever we have gone through, whatever cha- um, uh, habits that we have that need to be adjusted, it can take time. So we should be patient with ourselves. So he's, but he's continuing this lamenting, this conversation. That does the lovelorn man think that love can be hidden behind a torrent from his eyes or a heart's raging fire? Um, so this a sub a sub literally is the one who's overflowing. So you know, man, is the person who fl- who who pours water. So a sub is the one that's overflowing. It's like the running faucet. This, so a sub is the is is the word that's used to describe this. Uh, it says the lovelorn man. The lovelorn is the one who's. It's like their faucet is on. They can't stop crying. They're just crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. So they think that like they can just pretend like nothing's going on, even though they're crying all of this time, and their heart is raging with fire. You can see their eyes are crying, and beneath their eyes, you can see that what's in their heart. And this is one thing that's sometimes uh, interesting: is that the the eyes are a gateway to the heart. And they say that about, you know, like the diseases of the heart. That the eyes are a gateway to the heart for its diseases. That if one is not conscious about um, what they put into their, what they look at, then that will go into their heart. But also, there's an, there's an extent to which what what's in the person's heart shows in their eyes. And that's why you maybe sometimes you find when people are not happy with other people, they don't want to look at them. You know, they say, I can't even look at you. Because there's so much rage and upsetness or hurt or, or whatever it is that's in their heart, and it's pouring out of their eyes. And, and you, can't even look at the, you can't even look at the person. Uh, the eyes don't lie. One of you, one of you said, "Yeah, the eyes don't lie." There, there's a truth in that. Um, as with anything, we have to temper our conclusions because our conclusions are not always correct. Um, but there is a truth in that the eyes, um, the eyes are telling us something. The eyes are telling us something. So he says that the, you see these tears are running down and the heart is on fire. So we see all of this from you. And you're going to pretend like nothing's going on. So what's going on? Um, another thing to think about in this regard, Allah forgive us for our shortcomings, is they say that one of the, like a good thing for the, the brother or sister to do for their brother or sister is to recognize that they have a need and help them before they even have to ask for it. Uh, 
and sometimes this is this can be seen in the person's eyes uh, don't be obnoxious don't be like overburdening you know like if you if you tell the person you know uh, be careful of the things you say sometimes it can be offensive you know but maybe you notice that nothing something doesn't seem the same with the person Again, you don't know what that is, so you can't necessarily assume anything. It could be that they're tired. It could be that someone died. It could be that they have a headache. It could be that um, they lost their favorite pen. Who knows? Who knows what it is, right? So you can't really assume. But you can kind of tell when someone might need like a little bit of extra attention. And so you can do that in ways that are very subtle and in doing so open a door for them open a door for them to enter into a deeper conversation if, if they want to, if that's for them to decide, right? Um, but that might show, that might show, right? And, um, and it's not even necessarily that you, we have to do something, but sometimes it's just that you're just there. And, and being there for the person is, is also very, very important. Mm. Yeah. So the next line, he says, "Lola al-hawa lam turiq dam'an ala talalin wala ariqta li dhikr al-bani wal-alami." But for passion, you would not shed tears at an abandoned camp, or lie awake at night recalling the fragrant fragrant willow or the mountain. So again, these uh, symbols saying that if it wasn't if if it wasn't the fact that you are uh, in love, you know, al-hawa. If it wasn't for this passion and love that you're feeling, you wouldn't be doing these things. So I can tell that you have a there's a connection to something that has been uh, severed or or harmed at some level. So you know, what is that thing? So again, it's this. It's all trying to stir. It's all trying to stir the heart into. Um, Entering us into the conversation about love for the Prophet ﷺ. So how can you deny this love when tears and sickness, truthful witnesses, have testified to it against you? So how are you going to deny it? You have witnesses. The witnesses are that you're sick and that your your eyes are are, are crying, and you know there's some pain there. And the witnesses to the pain are there. And again, uh, this could look different ways for different things, but it, it definitely manifests itself. All right, like one of the consequences of these internal problems that we often have is that we express they express themselves in physical ailments. A person might get headaches, they might get nausea, nausea they might have weight gain, they might have weight loss, they may have uh, sleep deprivation. And all of these things are coming potentially from the stuff that we have going on inside of us. And so, you know, how can you reject that something's going on when, when things are not right? When things are not right, they're not looking the way that they're supposed to look. And, and that's manifesting itself on, your, uh, on, on our outward existence. You know, and this is, uh, again, you know, outside of the love, poetry and stuff, these are good things for us to consider for our own well-being. 
you know if i'm if i'm noticing that there are certain things that are just not functioning properly first of all to pay attention enough to realize that and then second of all to begin to ask myself okay so what's going on is it because of this is it because of that and to to be aware of ourselves in a sense of course therapists are important counseling is important shuyukh are important everything else but uh, all of that also it's important to pay attention to ourselves there was a there's a passage in the beginning of pedagogy pedagogy of hope i think is the title by paulo freire not pedagogy of the oppressed some of you are thinking about that probably but pedagogy of hope comes later and in the beginning of it he has this discourse on um this depression that he used to feel and he would be afflicted by it and it would be so difficult and he wouldn't know why it comes and so on and then he said that one time then he was traveling and i believe he was traveling to like one of the areas that he grew up in and there was particular weather that day and when there was that weather happened he realized that that's there's a, there's a, a, a collection of circumstances that result in me feeling this way that has to do with things from my childhood and it's connected to that weather and so he he actually was able to figure that out and when he was then he didn't have that problem anymore so it's not to say that we should skip counselors and therapists and stuff but it's to say that if we uh, are attentive to ourselves then sometimes we can understand things about ourselves that will help us to grow uh and and there will be witnesses there will be witnesses to the things that are not going so well with us um maybe we're frustrated all the time maybe we're um upset all the time maybe we're sad all the time maybe we're easily triggered maybe whatever it might be these are all witnesses that are saying that something's going on in this case it's the love right um This is important of course also for parenting because uh, especially as kids get older they don't tell us everything but there might be signs that something's going on with them and I should be investigating I'm looking for signs it's not only about love but it can be about other things too um, this is also why culture becomes also important like maybe we're not familiar with the culture I remember there were some kids one time that uh I don't want to give away too many details, but we knew their parents, and we knew the kids, and like you start dressing in a certain way, and I'm like, where are they getting all this extra money? You know, like parents should wonder. I, I didn't give them money, but they're wearing new shoes all the time, and they got like some new clothes all the time. Where are they getting all this extra money from? You should, that's a question the parents should be wondering, right? Or uh, that maybe there's other symbols. This was 15, almost 20 years ago. So certain like shoelaces on certain shoes indicated certain things. Parents didn't have any clue. But when some of us saw it, we were like, okay, we need to talk to these kids because they're getting involved in some stuff. Anyways, there's signs that show other things. That's the point. Next line, وَأَثْبَتَ الْوَجْدُ خَطَّيْ عَبْرَةٍ وَضَنَا مِثْلَ الْبَهَارِ عَلَىٰ خَدَّيْكَ وَالْعَنَمِ That 
love sickness has etched two lines of tears and gauntness upon your cheeks like yellow spice and red anam red anam it's like a tree that they used to make dye from um this is one of the opinions on what it means but uh they used to dye their clothes with it and stuff like that so the point is the 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 tears they're showing their lines they're showing their lines and uh, they're showing on the cheeks as like as if there was spice on the cheek or if there was something else on the cheek some it's showing up very clearly and um, again this is something that was this this was a description of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu that he would cry so much that you could see the lines of that on his face uh, radiallahu anhu and even though he was as tough as he was uh, and this is the you know, bringing together of opposite attributes, so on, so to speak, that um, should be brought together in the prophetic qualities of the companions of the Prophet wasallam. So one can be simultaneously very tough and very much someone who stands for justice and at the same time someone who cries profusely from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this would then show again on the face. So now, you know, all this proof is there. All of this proof is there. So what is he? Now you get a response. All of this is just the proof. Like, look, I see you. I see what's going on with you. There's this, and 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 there's this. So tell me what's going on with you. What is the situation? So he says, Naam. Sara tayfu man ahwa fa'arraqani walhubbu ya'tarinu ladhati bil'alami. He says, yes, my beloved's apparition came to me and denied me sleep. For love always opposes pleasures with pain. So he says, yes. Tayfu man ahwa fa'arraqani. The like, um, the apparition, the image, the, 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 the spirit or the, the ghost almost in a sense uh, comes to me. Like the image of this person comes to me. And uh, they keep me awake at night. You know, I close my eyes and I, I see them. Sometimes bad dreams are like that, right? Like you have a bad dream and you can't get it out of your head. Um, or if something's really just on our mind or our hearts, it's hard to get it out of our head. So you say, yeah, this the beloved, the the image of the beloved comes to me at night and I can't sleep. And, and, and you know, whenever there's... Uh, uh, Something that people would normally get pleasure from, the the love kind of like stops it. It it opposes these pleasures with pain. It it meets it, it just brings this pain forward. So like I'm so overcome with this the pain of not being with my beloved. The things that normally people would think are pleasureful, I don't find any pleasure in them. Right, and this is again you know common common description. Uh, a person is in love or they're heartbroken. They're heartbroken, so you know they taste the ice cream doesn't taste the same, the chocolate doesn't taste the same, and the relationships don't don't feel the same, and every, nothing is the same because the heartbreak is there, and uh, so there's no more room for denying what's going on. And then they he explains, yes, this is the case. Actually, I'm in love, and I can't get it out. Of, I can't get it away. And this is actually like you know the state of uh, of the lovers. The state of the lovers is they can't 
Allah never leaves them for a single moment. The thought of Allah doesn't, you know, thinking of Allah doesn't leave them for a single moment. Thinking of the Prophet ﷺ doesn't leave them. Their heart is constantly occupied with their beloved, Allah or the Prophet ﷺ. Um, then he continues to address uh, the interrogator. يَا لَائِمِي فِي الْهَوَى الْعُذْرِ مَعْذِرَةً مِنِّي إِلَيْكَ وَلَوْ أَنْصَفْتَ لَمْ تَلُومِي O you who blame me for this chaste love. Um, uh, pardon me. But had you judged fairly, you would not have blamed me. You know, so you say, look, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overcome with this. And you're blaming me for this. And I'm sorry about that. But... If you were to be honest and you were to be just, you wouldn't blame me. Lam talumi. You know, let's let's so so let's say the person is overwhelmed with their the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and their love for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that's a that's a clean and it's a pure love. It's not some sort of vile love or something like that. It's a clean and a pure love, and they're overcome with this love of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and so. They say, okay, fine, you're right. I just, I can't get him out of my head. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know, he's an Habib, an Mustafa. I name my kids after him. I, I name my kids after his family. I put things in my home that remind me of him. People are like, what's wrong with you? Why do you, uh, you, you have a sandal, you, you put it in your pocket. You have uh, a color you choose green. You do everything you're doing is close to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi So why do you do this? Well, I'm sorry that this bothers you, or that this is uh, disturbing to you. But if you were to be honest and judge fairly, you wouldn't blame me. So let's see. Let's see who this person was. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Let me let me tell you who this person was. And this is where a lot of it is going to come afterwards, right? Like a lot of the poem that comes afterwards uh, okay uh, you know you're blaming me for this love let me tell you who i love sallallahu alaihi wasallam let me explain to you who this man was sallallahu alaihi wasallam who this man is sallallahu alaihi wasallam um so it's not a blameworthy love it's it's a love and it's disrupting but it's it's not a uh, it's 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 not a love that's blameworthy nonetheless because it is a love that the person is supposed to have. They're supposed to have uh, this this deep love for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that um, affects everything about how they are. Affects everything about how they are. Seven forty nine. Let me see what's left. Okay. So it's says, May you be spared my condition. My secret cannot be concealed from detractors, nor is there any cure for my ailment. So, you know, uh, there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to be this way. And if you think it's such a bad thing, then, you know, hopefully you don't get affected by it. But it's really not a bad thing. 
and it's not going anywhere no matter how much people blame me for it it's not going anywhere I still love the Prophet وسلم, and I'm still going to be overwhelmed by this but again it's in the context of this artistic expression you have given me sincere advice but I cannot hear it a lover's ears are deaf to the reproaches of critics a lover's ears are deaf to the reproaches of critics that in love um, you know when someone's in love you can't tell them anything you can't tell them anything that's why one of the important things to do when you are considering someone for marriage and our religion is to ask and deal with the important questions up front if I have things that are really really important to me that are you know things that I want to make sure that I'm able to do in the next 10 years or things that uh, I absolutely cannot live with not having my own home living with in-laws whatever it might be whatever these things are uh, you know what, whatever it is you have to uh, put it up front because once the emotions get involved it's really hard to think properly um, so you, you're giving me this advice but I don't hear it um, yeah he says sincere advice um, so the assumption it's like a it's like a nice adab with the person you know you're giving me I, I assume that you what you want is best for me and that's why you're giving me this nasiha but you know I'm I'm in love I can't hear anything else uh, he says in the commentary that um, having understood that his critic only blamed him for the sake of rendering sincere advice and out of protective concern and eagerness to comfort him af- after the loss of his beloved and for the sake of consoling him and desiring to stabilize his condition the author acknowledges the advice given and admits to the truth and concedes that his critic has done his best and given sincere advice so it's not that he's it's just that he's saying like look you want what's best for me but uh, I'm I'm in love and there's nothing you can you know I, I don't hear it and of course this is a good one um this is a good love and it, and also it's not like he's talking about the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but he's doing it like as if he's talking about a normal love situation so uh <coughs> it's it's a, a lot of it is rhetorical also it's it's just you know art, artistic expression because like in the next one <laughs> that uh, you know it's, it's, he's he's taking it further he says I, I suspect even the advice uh, of my own gray hairs uh, which I, I hold suspect even the advice of my own gray hairs even though their advice is far from deception so, hey, look I'm in love and I'm, I'm so in love that even my own grayness gives me advice and I doubt I, I even doubt that advice even though like gray hair is you know it's wisdom it's wisdom yeah gray hair equals wisdom um, that's why even though their advice is far from deception you know someone now has wisdom this is a very you know, part of, uh, and maybe this is a good point to stop on, I always say this, but um, we have to make sure that we're using our own framework on a lot of things, 
and uh, aging is one of them. So, uh, you know, we live in, in America at least, we live in a culture that essentially worships youth and the things that come along with youth and doesn't have as much respect for aging uh, or the elderly. And the Prophet ﷺ gave us very, very clear guidance on this issue. Um, and some of them I've, I've, I've mentioned, but we'll mention them again. Like, for example, the person who honors an elderly person in their youth because of their old age, then Allah will provide for them someone who will honor them in their old age. So you have a young person who honors an older person simply because they're older, which is their right. If they do that, then when they become older, Allah will send someone to honor them. Uh, this is a hadith of the Prophet Another hadith of the Prophet That they're not from us, the one who does not show reverence to our elderly or our older, the older amongst us. Uh, or min uh, That from the honoring of Allah is to show respect to a Muslim who has gray hair. Right, so there's uh, gray. Gray is an honor. Uh, aging is an honor. You know, there's wisdom that comes with age that cannot be attained any anywhere else. And actually, the disconnect between younger people and older people is a huge problem. It's a huge societal problem that we have. Uh, we have a huge societal problem around disconnect. Period. But the disconnect between older people and younger people it causes a lot of problems. You know, like the absence of the experience of sitting around older people and just listening to them and having being able to ask them things and being able to seek their advice and things. And also older people recognizing their position, not in like an authoritative or uh, oppressive sense, but to recognize like, OK, part of what I'm supposed to do as an older person is be mature and try to be wise and try to help people and give people and not like cause more problems and just like lord over people because I'm older and stuff like that um, but that this this is an important issue so he says that you know the old I, I, I suspect even my gray hairs but the gray hairs they're, they're, they're not the kind of thing that you should suspect because generally wisdom comes with that age and um, you know there's things that can be learned from someone who's reflecting on 60 years of experience that you're not going to learn from someone who's reflecting on 6 months of experience and so we have to make sure that our priority is correct in that way that, that we don't worship youth and it's not like oh I can't believe how old I'm getting you're not even 40 <laughs> like 40 you want to get to 40 and then after 40 is like now you're in your now you're in your prime and then after that you kind of uh, you, you've kind of like the seasoning has marinated a little bit and everything is like really getting good i mean these are the good years in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s you you want to get there in the 70s you start you know uh hopefully people are still strong and they're still sharp and everything else but there's no like Oh my God! I can't believe how old I'm getting, and you're like 28. I mean, you kind of you want to you want to get a little bit older, <laughs> want to get a little bit more age, uh, to to help with that, inshallah. So this is the this is the beginning section around love, 
all of it is an introduction to that which is coming afterwards. Like I said, the first section is an introduction, the second section is an introduction to the actual uh, heart and, and soul of the poem, which is in praising the Prophet them that comes in sections 3 through 10. But this next part on purification of the soul is also extremely important. Um, and w we can get into that more next time. But it should suffice as a reminder that the author was a direct and close student of one of the greatest spiritual masters of all of Islamic history, which is Sayyidina Abul Abbas al-Mursi. And so when he's giving this little section on purification of the soul, he's someone who knows what he's talking about. And so these these so it's not a whole lot of lines, but they're very important lines and some really deep and profound concepts that will come across there inshallah if anyone has any comments or questions observations um, things they would like to share you're welcome to do so yes It's hard. Um, I think like most things, you have to find someone that they'll actually listen to. Um, you know, if, if there's something that, some advice that needs to be given or some sort of perspective that perhaps can be shared, then it has to come from some place that it can be heard. And, uh, you know, this is part of the benefit uh, in general of community, um, of family in a, in a broad sense is that hopefully if someone, even it, maybe maybe I can't talk to someone who's my parents' age and give them advice on some particular thing and be like, hey, you know, maybe you're not taking this the best way. It's going to be hard for me to do it, but maybe an uncle can or maybe an aunt can or maybe someone, you know, who's older um, uh, subhanAllah you see kind of like the wisdom behind some of the systemic guidance of um, like family relations and stuff when you get into these because you realize like okay if it's my immediate family only it's very tough for me to give advice to my dad I mean it's going to be it's going to be hard for that to happen um Whereas hopefully, the, if we live in a community, if we have if we have multiple relationships, multiple layers of relationships, then there are people who can do that, you know. Um, but yeah, a person is not absolved as long as they're still alive and as long as they're still sane. They're not absolved of their nefs, and um, you know, a another benefit of also beginning to think of that from an early age. If we're hopefully, if we're more conscious about that when we're younger then hopefully, maybe by the time that we're older, we might also recognize that as well. Um, Allah help us. I think this idea of like trying to 
it seems like in the past there was a respect and a search for wisdom at least among some people like you know there's a acknowledgement of the idea of wisdom uh, not just efficiency or productivity or something like that but there's wisdom to be had and if a person is seeking that then uh, hopefully they're more open to these things if they're not we do our best well, well, in my family everybody's seeking inheritance so that's a problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, we do our best. Do our best. Sometimes it's it's uh. Sometimes there's not much we can do. But, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. Khair. Inshallah, next week we will continue, and um. We'll get into this chapter on purification of the soul, inshallah. May Allah give us tawfiq, and may Allah keep everyone safe, especially especially those in California. California is a hotbed of uh, COVID-19 right now. Please be safe. A few days ago I was reading, and it said that if states were countries, then Arizona had the highest infection rate in the world, and then Rhode Island, and then California, and then the Czech Republic. So things are uh, pretty pretty intense out here right now. May Allah keep all of us safe. And um, please, let's all try to do our parts to remain safe. Barakallahu feekum. Inshallah, we'll see you next week. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.